Well, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Thank you for uh, coming to church today. I know uh, for some of you that's harder today than others, uh, but appreciate your sacrifice and your willingness to be persecuted today. I mean, it's tough. I, ironically, we're talking about Christian suffering today, so I know some of you are just, I mean, you are bearing your cross today by being here, and so it's uh, first world problems, I believe. So uh, First Peter chapter 4 is where we're going to be today, starting verse 12. If you would turn there with me, First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, we're going to go to the end of the chapter, verse 19. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your love and kindness and generosity. And I, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for their love for you, uh, their love for your word. And, and they love to sing and, and to praise your name. They love to give generously. And, uh, and Father, uh, I know they love you. So, Father, help us to honor you today through our worship to the listening to your word. Help us when we come up short. I pray, Lord, that you would allow for us to, to experience your presence this morning, to know that you are an unseen guest here today. You have not left us nor forsaken us, but, you, but that you love us. Father, when we are weak, I pray that you are strong. When we are tired, I pray, Lord, that you'd give us strength and energy. When we are tempted, you will provide for us the grace that we need to overcome. Father, I pray that when we hear your voice, we would respond. I recognize, Lord, that that I am a sinner, and that I've come up short, and that I need you today. And so, Lord, if you would, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life, and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, I, I pray that today is the day of their salvation, a day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray for the believer that's here that may be struggling or going through hardships or difficulty. Lord, I pray that you would just comfort them and guide them today. Uh, to know the next step that they are to take in their faith with you. Lord, I pray uh, that you would allow for us to center ourselves now on your word and what it has for us today. Cast aside the distractions of football games and uh, family dinners or uh, company or activities that we have to do later today, but allow for us to hear you 
and to recognize the significance of our time together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. There are, there are all kinds of different surprises. There are, uh, there are good surprises and, and bad surprises. Uh, there are, are surprises that, like, bad surprises, like you get, you get laid off, you go into work, and the boss pulls you into the office and says, you're fired. You know, that's not a good surprise. You walk out to your truck, and you turn the key, and it, well, maybe you push the button now, I'm not sure, but, and it doesn't start. Uh, you turn on your furnace, and no hot air comes out. Uh, there are good surprises. Surprise, you're pregnant. Uh, it's always a good surprise, you know. You may not think that it is, but it always, it always is. Surprise, you get a raise. Surprise, you're the, the MVP of your high school football team. Or uh, surprise that your, your friends from Indiana came to town, you know. I mean, last night we went to dinner uh, with our friends, and we sat next to uh, a what was that, a uh, pinball, pinball machine. And uh, the, my, my sons, their eyes just blooded up when they saw that pinball machine. And, and the, the guy that sat us at the table, he said, now listen, he said to my son Haddon, he goes, Haddon, he goes, listen, he goes, if, if you beat my score, I'm not going to be your friend. That's what he said to him. He goes, I got the top score, I just got it. So if you beat my top score, I'm not going to be your friend. He was just joking, you know. And Haddon said, well, I don't want the top score because I want to be your friend. And like, and that's how that guy felt, you know. He's like, oh, man. He goes, he just pushed the opt, and he goes, well, I want to be your friend too. And in five seconds, they became friends. You know, just like that, they became good buddies. It doesn't surprise me that my five-year-old son has become friends with a complete stranger in five seconds. Now, if Bear did that, that would surprise me. But with Haddon, like, he is everybody's best friend, and he wants to be your friend, and he cares more about that than he does anything else sometimes. And good luck getting him to stop talking. I don't know what to do about that. But <laughs> there, there are certain things about you, though, that, that make up who you are, right? Some of you are very analytical. Some of you uh, excel in interpersonal relationship skills like Haddon. Some of you, you're more business-minded. Some of you, I mean, you're very competitive, some of you, I mean, you love to sit and read and be relaxed. And some of you, I mean, you're wild. Some of you are mild. And when you, when you have a wild son or wild child, it shouldn't surprise you that one day they're going to wind up in the back of a police car. You know, it's just who they are. You know, I mean, I, sometimes I worry about that. I really do. And so... Peter says that you shouldn't be surprised when Christians are persecuted. Persecution was happening to Christians all around, and Peter is telling them that this shouldn't be a surprise when they see it happening to them. When they see it with their family, with their friends, with even possibly in their own life, they shouldn't be surprised when someone comes knocking on their door, when someone does something to them. Verse 12 reads, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual, unusual 
were happening to you. Persecution was to be expected for the church. The, the fiery ordeal was referring to the burning of Christians at the hand of Nero, the emperor of Rome. Again, Nero was, here he is, he's the emperor, and he, would, he was just harsh on Christians. An evil, terrible person, terrible human being. Um, and what he would do is he would, he would wait till the evening to burn Christians at the stake. And he would, he would line them up in the streets and allow for the streets to be lit by burning Christians at night. That's the type of person that he was. So Peter says, don't be surprised when the, the fiery ordeal, that fire, that's what he's referring to. What was so terrible about what the Christians were doing, though? I mean, what was so awful that caused a man to say, what you're doing is so terrible this is what I'm going to do. Here's a list. I, I, I pulled this from a commentary that I read this week. They only worshiped God. They, they would not partake in family and social events that had immoral behavior. Even if their friends were doing it, even if their families were doing it, they said no, friends. They believed that local idols were worthless. They treated fellow believers as brothers and sisters in Christ terrible thing to do, right? To treat your brothers and sisters in Christ as, well, brothers and sisters in Christ. And they, they claimed that Jesus was Lord of all and not Caesar. And that's what really made Nero mad. He was considered to be Lord of all. And for somebody else to take that claim away from him was an insult to him. If you travel the world today, and you start preaching the gospel, there will be people that put their faith and trust in you. I mean, you don't even have to be all that good at it. You can go and you can preach God's word and the Holy Spirit will be working through what you say and people will believe. They will put their faith and trust in Jesus. The gospel is that effective, friends. And if you do that, and if people respond with the gospel, they will be one of two things. And they will either be celebrated by their family and friends in their community, or they will be hated and persecuted by their family and friends and community. It's one or the other. Does it surprise you that when a Muslim converts to Christianity that their family members hate them? Does it surprise you that the Chinese government will arrest Christian pastors for proclaiming the gospel? It shouldn't. And what Peter said 2,000 years ago is still true today. It shouldn't surprise us, the American Christians, if you stand up for your faith, if you stand up for the word of God, if you don't waver in your conviction, you will be persecuted, hated because of your faith. I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if my, in my lifetime, in my kids' lifetime in America, if the persecution became much more than it is today. Our, our country as a whole isn't moving towards God. They're moving post-God. We live in a, a post-Christian country, friends. They are, we are moving in that direction. I think America has is willing to accept anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ.
when you see a, a political leader, when you see a, a public figure stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ, what do they do? What does the world do? Do they celebrate that individual? Do they celebrate the pastor? Do they celebrate the politician? Do they celebrate the public figure? Or do they mock him? Do they mock her? Peter says, don't be surprised when you're facing the fire. It's coming. If you do it long enough, if you stand up long enough, if you preach long enough, it's going to happen to you. But Peter says, instead of worrying about it, rejoice about it. Don't believe me, look at verse 13. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. Consider it a joy to join Christ in the suffering for your faith, he says. Here in a few weeks, we're going to be singing Christmas carols. And uh, what's your favorite carol? One of, mine's is, one of mine is Joy to the World. During Easter, one of my favorite hymns to sing is He Lives. Here are some lyrics from that hymn. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. It's easy to rejoice during Christmas because it's a time where we celebrate the birth of Christ. And it's easy to rejoice and to have joy at Easter because our Christ has, has risen from the grave. I mean, those are times where we're like, hey, it's easy. As Christians, it's time for us to celebrate. It's time for us to rejoice and to be happy. It's much more difficult to rejoice when we are facing persecution, when we're at the fiery post, when we're being slandered, when we are being mocked when we are being our bodies are not made for pain when you touch a hot stove what do you do do you keep your hand on the fire or do you remove it i mean it's it's natural for you to to run away from pain and what peter is saying here is not like hey it's not sadistic. I mean, it's not like he's saying, hey, like, you just need to enjoy this, like rejoice in this pain. It's not what he's saying at all. He's act, I mean, Christians were rightly, when they were seeing their brothers and sisters flee from the persecution that was happening at the hand of Nero, they fled. And one of the reasons the gospel of Jesus Christ spread in the first century is because of the persecution. Isn't that strange? The bad things that were happening around them we think about today, you meant it for evil, God meant it for, I mean, God allowed for that to happen, I think, partly because the gospel spread. People would leave that area and they would go to other areas and they would continue to worship. So he's saying here, hey, don't just sit there and just take it in and rejoice over it. And like, hey, I'm, but if you're there, if you're caught in a place where you are being persecuted, consider it joy. When you're going through the persecutions, don't run towards it. Run away from it. But if you're there and you're caught in it, find joy in knowing that 
you're experiencing the same thing that your Savior, Jesus Christ, experienced. It does not give you peace to understand that the thing that you're going through is the same thing that our Savior went through. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, and I certainly do, then I believe that, that through that persecution, you're fulfilling your purpose on this earth. Friends, Jesus fulfilled his purpose on this earth by dying on the cross. Our, our days on this earth are numbered. And, and some of us are going to live to be 88 years old. Some of us 48 years old. Some of us, like Jesus, will live to be 33 years old. Henry Martin puts it this way, you are immortal until God's purpose for you is complete. I, I found this quote assuring because Jesus fulfilled his purpose on this earth. It took him 33 years, but he wouldn't have died on the cross if it wasn't for the fact that his sin, that, that his sin, our sin was purchased by his blood. Like it wouldn't, like he wouldn't, God wouldn't have allowed for that to happen unless his blood being shed covered our sin. That's the purpose of him going to the cross. And, and friends, let me tell you something. Like when you go through persecution, when you go through trials, when tribulations because of your faith, there is a purpose behind it as well. And Peter says, you should rejoice in knowing that God has a purpose in that moment. Do you, do you run towards it? Do you say, oh man, this is going to be great? Of course not. If you get a chance, get out of there. Get out of that situation. But if you're caught in the crosshairs, rejoice. Peter goes on to say, not only are you, should you rejoice, but you should consider yourself blessed. Verse 14. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of, the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. This word ridiculed means oppressed with vile speech. Little kids say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. I'm not sure about you, but words can hurt, right? I mean, they do hurt. They hurt when they come from family and friends. They, they hurt when people that you love, people that you care about, speak vile words against you. When they turn on you, when they talk against your character, about your values, about what's precious to you. Peter says, when this happens, though, you are blessed. The word blessed means that you have found favor with God. If you look throughout Scripture, the people that have found favor with God are the people that are, that have, are, that are living lives that are set apart, that are holy, that are, that are doing what God has asked them to do. They're being faithful to the Word of God. They're being faithful to His will for their lives. The people that are, have found favor with God are, are people to be celebrated. There are people to look up to. There are people to, to model your, your life after. And the scripture says here today that the Spirit of God is with those people. Those who are being ridiculed. Those who are having men and women speak vile words against when you're going through hardships, when you're going through pain, when you're going through a difficult day, a difficult season of your life, isn't it assuring that though you may feel alone, 
you're not alone. I had a friend of mine, they called me this week, a guy I went to seminary with, and um, his church has asked him to resign. And uh, he, 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 he's a little bit different than they are theologically. And it's not because he's doing a bad job. It's not because he's a bad person. It's just because there is a theological difference between him and his church. And they see it as a, a place where they cannot go move forward together. His wife is mad at him. His, uh, his, he's having a hard time. And I think about this and I think, you know, I, I call, he called me this week and I, we talked on the phone and, and I told him, I said, listen, I, I know you feel alone right now. I know that you feel like you're by yourself in this, that you're fighting this fight alone. But if you're doing what the Lord has asked you to do, and you believe in your heart that you're doing the right thing, if you're following God's word, God has not left you. He's not forsaken you. Last week I shared with you just about a friend of ours that lost their son and uh, just a tragic little not a little, a tragic accident. And, uh, you know, he told me, he said, he, I called him the day after. I called him this week and the day before his funeral and, you know, just prayed with him and talked with him. And he said, man, he goes, I'm just surrounded by my brothers and sisters in Christ, my family, my friends. He goes, I just, our house is constantly full of people. You know, when you're going, like, when you're going through a hard time, the last thing you want to do is go through it alone. And what Peter's telling the church here is like, listen, you might be alone in that jail cell. You may be alone on that stake, but God is with you. Whatever you're going through in this situation, Peter says, he's not, you're not alone. And friends, I'm, I'm not sure what you're going through today. Maybe you are being persecuted at your workplace or in your home, in your family, in your community. And you might feel alone in it. But the Bible teaches us that God has found favor with you. You are blessed. And that he's with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. We'll talk more about this next week. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But verse 15 says, None of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he should not be ashamed, but should glorify God in having that name. What Peter's trying to say is that your suffering should not cause you or others to question your actions. Nor should you be ashamed of your suffering. Not, rather, we should be proud of who we are. We should be praising God and for the grace that he has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. We should never be ashamed of the name that we carry. There are some people who who are ashamed to call themselves a Christian. And I just find that kind of comical, to be really honest with you. I don't understand that. It's like, it's like if you get married and you're ashamed of your spouse, you're ashamed to be seen with her or be seen with him, like, why would you marry somebody that you're ashamed of? It doesn't make any sense. Like, you chose this person. Like, if you don't want to be with them, then don't. I mean, like, listen, you're here, a part of the church. You're a part of the, the, the family of God because... You accepted the grace that God has. You accepted the free gift of salvation. Why are you ashamed? Why are you embarrassed? 
when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're going to go through some stuff. There are some people that aren't going to think of you highly. They might speak vile words. They may persecute you. They may call you everything that they can. They may try to embarrass you. I have a friend who's, who's embarrassed of having a disability. And there, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I tell him all the time. It's just who God has made you to be. And, and friends, let me tell you something like that. Like who God has made you to be is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and through that, you're going to face hardships. You're going to suffer. And suffering doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. And sometimes when we, we, something happens in our life, what do we ask? Well, what have I done to deserve this? And, and the reality is at this time, like when, if, if a man had a son and his son got arrested, it would bring shame not upon just his son, but upon his entire family. And if he owned a business, people would stop going to his business. If he owned a store, they would stop shopping at his store. If he, owned, if he was a blacksmith, he would stop receiving business because people were what ashamed and and peter is saying to these people listen to this church you don't need to be ashamed of this it's who you are you should embrace it not run away from it embrace it friends god has made us to be different in light of the world if people are bringing accusations against you especially then That's, that's not you. That's not a you problem. That's a, a them problem. I, I, I can't stress this enough that like we are, we are sinners, right? Each one of us has sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and our, sin, our sin should bring shame upon us, right? Like we should be ashamed of ourselves for the sin that we have. But we shouldn't be ashamed of professing that we are a sinner, and that Christ is our Savior. All of us have sinned. All of us have. Christ has given us eternal life. And I recognize, friends, that like when we make that profession, when we admit for the very first time that I've done wrong, that I need help, that you can't do it, like I understand, that might be embarrassing. But it, honestly and truthfully, friends, it's the best decision that you can ever make. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's who you are. And Christ has given you this opportunity to be made right in the eyes of God. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of the hardships that you're going through that you're facing because of it. Be proud. Be proud of what Christ has done for you. Be proud of the name that you carry. Verse 17. For the time has come for the judgment to begin with God's household, and it begins with us. What would the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what would be for the ungodly and the sinner? So those who suffer according to God's will should, while doing what is good, entrust themselves to a faithful creator 
Peter is saying here to the church that God is merciful, that we should trust God in all circumstances and all situations to live well and to do what is right in all situations. What's the disadvantage of disobeying the gospel? What's the disadvantage of disobeying God's word? What's the disadvantage of being unfaithful? And what are the advantages of being faithful, of being true? If we are faithful to God, what are the results? I had a friend of mine, he, he's a fellow deer hunter, and he posted a picture this week on Facebook of an old deer that doesn't have a very big rack. And he said on this post, he goes, some deer just never get big. And, uh, and that's, that's who they are. Genetically, they just don't have what it takes to be. Uh, it's good for them because people like me don't want to shoot them and they get to live long lives. But, uh, but you know, that's just the truth. Some deer just never grow to be trophy bucks. And, uh, and I posted on his Facebook, I said, that would be a good deer for some kid to shoot. You know, some kid would just be so happy. I said, man, I hope you, you find the deer that you're looking for and you have success this season. He goes, he responded to that post. He said, you know, he goes, I've learned through the years that if I do the right thing, it always works out. You know, if I just do the right thing, it always works out. Do you always do the right thing? Raise your hand if you always did the right thing this week. Anybody? Raise your hand if you've sinned this week. Raise your hand if you've sinned today. You know what, friends, like I... James tells us that we are to confess our sins to one another. And that if you do that, what will happen? You'll be healed. And not just, that's not talking about physical health. It's talking about relational health. All of us rose our hand. No one rose our hand and said, hey, I, I was perfect all week. And we all agree that, that the outcome of that is what? You've sinned. You've done wrong this week. You've done something that you shouldn't have done. All of us here have admitted it. And yet when's the last time we went to our brother or sister in Christ and said, you know what? I've done wrong to you. When's the last time that you went to the Lord in prayer and said, Lord, I've done something I shouldn't have done this week. I don't want that to be a habit. Or show me, Lord, how to make this right. Is that a spiritual discipline of yours? I was listening to a guy speak this week, Louis, Louis Giglio. Do you know the name? Passion Ministry. He said that when he was at, at Ash, at, uh, Ashbury in Kentucky, where the revival was happening this, earlier this year, he said, he goes, I don't even think it was a revival. He goes, I think it was a group of people coming together 
to confess sin, to repent. I, I think it was a group of people that were saying, I want more of my, of my relationship with God. I want more from God. I want more from my faith. Is that a hunger of yours to want more? Is it is a, a practice of yours to confess sin? Is it a, a practice of yours to say, Lord, I need you? Isn't that what worship is for us to come together and say, Lord, I need you? Thank you, Lord, for saving me of my sin. I'm going to, today, during our invitation, I'm going to stand right here. And Pastor Ken, if you would like to, you can come up here as well. And I'm just going to, I'm going to be here. And listen, all of us are sinners. Maybe you just want to say, listen, I've got sin in my life. I don't know what to do with it. I've got something going on in my life, and I don't know how to handle it. Would you pray for me? This altar is here. If you want to come to me, you don't, I'm not a priest. I'm not your father. Okay? I'm your pastor. I would love to be able to help you. I'd love to be able to pray for you. But this altar is here for you. If you want to come up and just say, Lord, I, I need to know what to do next. I've shared this before. When I was a little kid, I went to a small church. And whenever I saw people come up to the front, I thought they were doing something wrong. They, like they, they've done something wrong. And I would wonder what it was. But friends, let me tell you, like, you coming to the front is saying, I'm doing something right. It's, it's an act of obedience. There's not, there, that's the right thing to do, is to obey the Lord, to be faithful and true to his leadership in your life. And this is a time for you to say, you know what, Lord? I'm all ears. Would you listen? We're going to take the Lord's Supper here in a little bit after the invitation. I'm going to invite you, friends, to... Before we take that meal, before we, we confess our need for Jesus and confess our need for one another to confess sin, would you do that today? Would you stand with us and sing? Before we do that, let me pray for us. Lord, I give you thanks for the day. I thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. I thank you for your love and kindness and generosity. And Lord, I pray that today as we are gathered together in this moment, in this worship service, that we would worship you, that we would worship you through confession of sin, that we would allow for ourselves to be honest with one another, that we allow ourselves to be honest with you and allow for us to see what's going on in our life that shouldn't be going on. And, and, and not to leave this place without saying, you know what, I need to fix this. I need to change. I need to make a, a difference. I need to do something that's different than what I'm doing right now. What I'm doing right now stinks. It doesn't work. And Father, I pray that there's someone here today that has never confessed sin, that never said, Lord, I, I need you. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, the day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And if that were to happen, we would give you all the honor and all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen.